Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump into the show. I am your host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Nathan Rudolph, as is becoming the norm around here. Nathan, we're recording late at night as opposed to early in the morning. How's the weather? Well, it was good, as good as it can get. It's always nice here after the rain stops, so. Yeah, this afternoon, uh, I went to I went to order lunch, and it was like, oh, there's a tornado that has touched yeah. down like somewhere out in Aurora and I was like where I which is where I live and I was like uh <laughs> I guess I'm gonna give that guy a dope tip because he's gonna drive through a tornado to bring me food yeah every afternoon for like a week the storm just rolls in in the afternoon and it gets crazy for a minute <laughs> it's very Houston this is like this is very normal Houston weather yeah uh, where it rains for like two hours, three hours, or whatever in the afternoon, then gets beautiful going into the evening. Little humid, but otherwise very nice. Uh, and then the next day starts over and just repeats the cycle, and you're just like, "I right, whatever." Like, <laughs> this is this is weird, but okay, whatever. Nathan, I don't think people are here to uh, listen to us talk about the weather. Sure it's actually not. been, I, I know, right? Could you imagine? Like, <laughs> guys, guys, I need that weather talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of going to be, uh, kind of, kind of been an interesting night tonight, actually. Yeah, some developments. <laughs> yeah, a couple of, couple of things 
that we're going to get into here, especially given the timing of the show that we did yesterday. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Kevin Hayes uh, traded from Winnipeg to Philadelphia uh, for a low, low price of a fifth round selection. Yeah, you know, we were talking about the Avs maybe doing something like that on the show yesterday, and and now Philadelphia goes out and does it on one of the guys we might have been looking at in free agency. Yeah, well, and and as of at least right now, he has not signed. Right. I, I mean, I guess it's possible he doesn't sign in the end, but I can't imagine Philly would do that without a high confidence level. We have seen it. Um, you know, Jimmy VC, I think, is the most recent example. Yeah. Uh, I know Christian Ehrhoff did it back in the day as well. The Islanders traded for his rights, and he was like, no, I'm good. And then they traded his rights to Buffalo, and then he signed. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, it hasn't hasn't happened a lot, but it, ha- it has not happened very much recently. Uh, but it has happened where they, you know, these rights have been traded for and guys do still want to test the market. And and really, like, I would not be able to blame any of these guys. You know, Kevin Kevin Hayes is now less than a month from being on the open market and teams being able to compete for his services and, and get into the bidding war that every player wants. Yeah. You know, he's just weeks away. So for me, it's it would be kind of like, are you really going to sign now? Yeah, from the player's perspective, definitely. I, I see where you're coming from. From Philly's perspective, I didn't see anything about it being conditional. So I'm pretty sure it's just a fifth straight up. And yeah, to not put the condition on it, I have to think they gotta they gotta think they're getting them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's probably confidence, and uh, I can tell you uh, just from once this story got going, I started uh, I started doing some of my checks and talking to some people. Uh, that Colorado, very predictably, mind you, uh, has been involved in this as well. Makes sense, yeah. They've been talking to some. They've been talking to the team uh, to Winnipeg, and um, Winnipeg has been given uh, been giving teams permission to talk to the agent to kind of see what the parameters of the deal would be, uh, where they might be comfortable. Yeah, where. I think it broke down from Colorado's side of things, at least so far, is that uh, Colorado was unwilling to go beyond a fifth year. Yeah, and that makes sense. We talked about that on on last show too. How nice of a fit it would be for that five year deal for them. So, yeah, well, and and then for us to get that confirmation uh, tonight while I was doing some of my work, um, you know, checking on this story and following it up that Colorado is unwilling to go beyond five years, uh, at least, at least today, at least right now, you know, who knows if he doesn't sign and they get to the open market and Colorado just says, Oh, screw it. If we're going to, if it's going to take a sixth year to get him, we want him. And that's that, um, you know, maybe that changes, but at least for right now, uh, they were not, they were not wanting to commit beyond five years for, for Hayes, but they were willing to meet the number, the per year number. So, that's, I think, interesting. Uh, it'll be, if he does sign with Philly in the next few days, I'm I'm very curious to see what that number ultimately ends up being. Uh, you know, we had the Brock Nelson contract that we were talking about. We expected that Hayes would probably get a little bit more. Yeah. Not a lot, but a little bit more. Uh, I think if, it, if that thing comes in at around 6.5 over six years, uh, that's six or seven years. 
I think that would be my expectation for uh, what it's going to look like from Philly. Yeah, that's that's right about where I had him too. You know, maybe because they traded for him and they have the individual negotiating right, negotiating rights, they can chop it down a little bit. But they got to sign him at the end of the day, right? So he knows he can go to free agency. Yeah, I do wonder. You know, maybe maybe they trade for him. Maybe they would try to get the uh, the eighth year out of him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, an extra possibility that did not exist uh, before this evening. Yeah, I, I wonder what the plan is there for them because he—I can't imagine they have him slotted as an as a one C or anything. So, well, I mean, Sean Couturier, I why would why would you? Right, uh, I'm confused about what the issue would could possibly be with Sean Couturier. Gosh, uh, he's we don't have one. Yet. He's he's a guy that went from being a really good third line center for many years, like. He jumped into the NHL really quickly after being drafted and then was like a a 30 point guy for like 4 years. And then and, blew up. Right, and then now he's coming off back-to-back 30 goal seasons in which he had 76 points in each of the last 2 years uh playing next to their big horses and he's also uh carved out a, a role as a as a very very good defensive center and he's signed for three more years at just 4.3 million per year. He's, he's on an amazing contract at 26 years old, right in the heart of his prime coming off of, you know, those two seasons I just mentioned, he's on a great deal. So I really don't, I have no, I, it doesn't make sense to me. The talk that, Oh, now Sean Couturier would suddenly be available. Why? Why would you go out and get Kevin Hayes and then make Couturier available? Yeah, you want to you want to put them together, right? Exactly. It, Kevin Hayes would not effectively replace John Couturier. <laughs> that doesn't add up at all. And you're going to be paying him more than Couturier because of his great contract. But I, I struggle to see a guy. Do they really want to lock up a Hayes who's going to be your two C? for eight years. And by the end of that deal, he'll be what? 34, 35. That's yikes. Yeah. And I wonder how much of this is an indictment on Nolan Patrick as well. Yeah. I, that's definitely fair because he, he definitely hasn't lived up to expectations and, you know, in some ways, I mean, obviously Jost is in a first round or a first overall, I guess, second overall pick, but same kind of situation where the production just hasn't come yet for them at the NHL level. And the questions of, can he be more than what he is now are starting to crop up? Yeah. And like, just like with Jost, like you're, you're talking about he's good enough to be an NHL player. Yeah. Like you got an NHL guy out of him. It's just to what caliber. Exactly. Can he uh, be and, more than a third line guy? Right. Cause you know, back to back 30 point seasons, you had 30 last year and 31 this, this most recent season. Um, yeah, that's certainly not what they were expecting out of the, the second overall pick. That's really yeah. not what you wanted. Uh, and especially a guy that, you know, he was the man in that draft class the whole year. Uh, and then he just got hurt, and yeah. and eventually he sure took over uh, that he, top spot. The injuries have been a thing for him, too. I know he's played most of the games through his first two years, but he's definitely played yeah. through a few injuries there. So Yeah, he's been nicked up a lot, and that yeah. was a continuation of the end of his uh, junior career where yep. he was just constantly fighting off injury. And 
I think I think it's a kind of a strange situation they've built out there, especially because they go in to get Kevin Hayes, but they've also, you know, Morgan Frost's one of the top young right. forwards not in the NHL right now. I love Frost too. <laughs> Same. Like, well, I mean, how could you not? He's coming off of back to back hundred point seasons in the yeah, NHL. Exactly. Like that dude has he has two hundred and twenty one points in the last two years in the regular season. That those are silly for the great right there. Like, <laughs> right. Like we're talking. You know, we're getting we're getting excited over all these guys coming out of the WHL. Uh, Going to be drafted in the top five this year. Who had like. 70 point seasons this dude has had 221 points the last two years like morgan frost is a top top forward prospect in the league right now yep and it's it's strange to me that you know between you know patrick can obviously move over to the right wing and and do that i believe he has done that quite a bit for them yeah I I actually almost like him better as a wing, to be honest. But I would agree, uh, especially at this point. Now, yeah. you know, with Hayes and Couturier and and Morgan Frost, you know, maybe maybe that is their plan. Maybe the plan is to make Hayes their three C. Uh, you know, may, Morgan Frost can be their three C this year, and then Hayes can take over that job uh, next year when Frost passes him up, uh, and eventually, you know, kind of breaks out. I guess. So you're giving but, up a fifth for a three C, huh? I I mean, to secure it's, it. I think I think the designation between two C and three C and all that can kind of get lost. It can get it can get overblown a yeah. little bit. Uh, if because I mean, if ultimately if you're getting a forty five point year out of your third line center, uh, and you're getting seventy five points out of your first line center, and what they hope is somewhere in between those two out of your second line center. Like you're, you're really good down the middle. Yeah, that that's fair. I guess we gave up a sixth for Soderberg and I'm happy with that. And Hayes is significantly yeah. younger than when we got Soderberg. So very, I mean, very similar uh, yep. in terms of player profiles. Yep. I've been comparing the two for like a month now. So um, makes perfect sense to me. The other uh, little bit of news um, while I was working uh, the phone tonight and, and trying to dig into some of the Hayes stuff and just kind of see where Colorado uh, landed on that conversation, um, I dug up a, an interesting conversation about William Carlson, who you and I talked about on yesterday's show. Yeah, the place to take advantage of a cap crunch team right there. Exactly. Uh, it sounds like the conversations between Carlson and Vegas have not been productive up to this point. Now, obviously, there's a huge caveat here of they have all freaking summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got time. But there's there is a very real cap crunch. And it, you know, Vegas does have a top prospect of their own coming in to be their uh, to play center for them in Cody glass. Yeah, it's and Cody glass. Isn't going to cost them six plus million or whatever it is. William Carlson ends up signing for. So, right. Well, and we, you know, we, we got into this yesterday, you yeah, know, going exactly. into their, their whole situation and how much they have, you know, the, the David Clarkson contract is, is what's putting them over the cap right now. Um, otherwise the, the majority of their team is signed. It's really like their fourth line guys that they want to that they're deciding between uh, their backup goaltender, a depth defenseman or two, and, and William Carlson. Bill there, yeah. 
So even even if they get rid of the Clarkson contract, like that's not going to pay for all those things. But the the Clarkson the Carlson deal, you do wonder. You know, that's he. I I was having this conversation tonight on Twitter with a couple of people. I think that there's an argument to be made that he lost his top center job to Paul Stasny this past season. Uh, Stasny when healthy, uh, you know, forty two points in fifty games and. He was the one that got flanked by Pacioretty and Stone, who were the two big acquisitions that really kind of looked like they were going to push Vegas into, uh, you know, in, into a, a an even better position than they were last year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, you know, I think if you're looking at a, wanting to acquire Carlson, you should be looking at him as definitely more of a 60-point player, I think, is what you'd want to get out of him. Not, you know, in 2017-18, he was basically a point per game. And that's, I think, was a little bit overblown of what he's actually going to give you. Yeah, well, and he shot 23% across yep. an entire season. And, like, that's how these random 40-goal seasons get, you know, drop out of the sky. As a guy has an unbelievable statistical anomaly of a season. Yeah. And, like, and, and the thing with Carlson coming into this year, uh, this past season, was... You know, he took a one-year deal, kind of bet on himself to prove that he was a top, certainly a top six player and not the fourth line guy he had been up to that point. And he did. Like, he absolutely, he did what he had to do to prove that he was a, you know, he's a real top six guy. I think that he proved he's not a true number one C. Yeah, I I agree. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We for someone like the abs, especially, we don't need him to be the one C. It, it would be a nice fit in that way where we know he's legitimately top six and you can put him behind McKinnon. And if he needs help, you can give him a Rantanen. If he can carry that line, great. You can give him some of the young guys to help carry. Well, and the another consideration is that he's good in areas Colorado could use the help. Uh, he's a very good penalty killer. He's a good face-off guy. A uh, very strong two-way player at five v five, and he's got the 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 great speed that would obviously fit Colorado's identity perfectly. Yeah, I, I obviously the Avs need help at faceoffs. I, I really don't value them much. Of, of it's not something you pay but, for, but it would be nice to give us another top six PK option. We, I think that's where we could help ourselves a lot. If we can have top six guys on the PK, we don't have to have a Gabe Bork in the lineup and things like that. Right. And it, well, and, and you look at some of these, the other teams, you know, I mean, look at San Jose, you know, their, their PK, Logan Couture is out there. Yep. You know, they've got their star guys kind of do it all for them. And uh, that, you know, you're able to get that value out of them. You know, we've exactly. seen, we've seen Landeskog kill penalties for the Avs and then, for some reason, uh, Bedner just doesn't want to stick with that. Yeah, they they like to use Landy at five on five and on the power play instead. So they seem to lean away from using him up on the PK. I guess. Oh man, I said Carlson was good at faceoffs this last year, and he was at forty seven percent. Still better than the Avs. Bad look for me. <laughs> way to way to do your homework, AJ. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, well, and. Uh, Definitely a good PK guy. You can't take that one away from me. But he would be he would be an interesting guy. It's not an offer sheet candidate because uh, the Abs don't have their own third round pick to play with. 
they would have to go to Florida and reacquire it in order to have that conversation. I don't, and we talked about this offer sheets aren't real anyway. Silly. Um, That would be a, that would be an interesting trade candidate uh, with them looking to move out Colin Miller. I wonder if that would be a Tyson Berry kind of deal. They don't necessarily need him with like a, you know, they've got Shea Theodore there that they want to be as their kind of like big offensive defenseman. Um, But I think it would certainly be they he could absolutely help them. Yeah, I would be curious about what they're asking there, because, you know, do they really need picks? I mean, I'm sure they'd never say no to like first rounders and things, but they have three thirds in the coming draft. They have two seconds in 2020 and they're a team that's at the cap. So obviously they're pushing to win now. Right. Well, and they go out and they get Mark Stone. That's 27 years old. They get Paul Stasny who's 33. Max Pacioretty is 30. And then they sign all these guys to big extensions. Um, you know, well, in Stasny, he was a UFA, but point is, is that they, they went and they, they locked down these guys who are older. Jonathan Marchessault is 28 years old. You know, Riley Smith is 28 years old. These, this is their core group. Like this is, they're going for it with these guys. Yeah. The only real player they have in their core that is on the younger side of things, I guess, is talk, right? So it, these contracts are you're only going to get so much out of these older guys and yeah, they don't have the time to play with. Yeah. Well, and Carlson is like the younger guy, uh, you know, at 26, he'd be, he'd be, he'd fit in great there. Yeah. Uh, Tuck, obviously Tuck is, is definitely one of their, their guys moving forward. Uh, but he's, you know, you, it's hard to, it's hard to build around wings, you know, it is. Yeah. You got to have that guy down the middle. And that's where I think a William Carlson deal for at least when we're trying to put it together with the abs uh, may not make a lot of sense because the abs can't really replace that guy. Yep. Um, you might, you know, you might be able to sell them on a Jost deal, but that's, that would be like a big, it'd be a deep cut. Yeah. And I think you'd be adding quite a bit if that's the deal you're making. <laughs> well, I think it would be like, for me, if it's looking like that, it would be like Carlson and and Colin Miller, um, for just and, and like a first maybe, plus. and right, and and you know, I the parameters of that one, I really don't know. Sure, I, that's speculation. For the, sure. the right, and that's that stuff is always tough. Uh, trying to put all those together because I don't really know what they want necessarily. Um, what they're prioritizing. They're looking to move on from Miller, and that's why I have him as that guy there. Um, but it's it's a tough – I think that's a tough fit. I do think that there are going to be a, other teams that are a little more well-equipped to try and find a better uh, hockey hockey trade than, than Colorado is. But, again, yeah. boy, would that guy be a great fit behind McKinnon at, as your 2C that can kind of – you could you could stem the tide of the drop off when their top line gets off the ice, right? For sure, it's that's the problem you run into when you're looking for guys to trade. A lot of the time, the guy you want, you can't give up what the team wants to give them away. So yeah, I mean that would be you know if they would be interested in like a first round pick and a Kerfoot, and you know you try and you try and find it because they're gonna need some sort of forward help in return. They can't just. Yeah. have that hole in their lineup, you know? So that would be, I mean, yeah, I would definitely entertain something like that, but it's just, 
where where's the reality there and it's tough to pinpoint yeah for 100 percent it'll be an interesting situation it's just something that came across my radar put it out there on twitter tonight uh thought it would be interesting to talk about on on the show for you know just to just to kind of kick it around a little bit now it's two days in a row we've talked about it so we'll probably let it go for a bit uh nathan i think that'll wrap up our first segment here do you have any uh any any final thoughts on Kevin Hayes and uh, and or William Carlson? Just with Kevin Hayes being gone, uh, I hope that means the Avs get a bit more aggressive in free agency because that's one of their quote-unquote backup plans off the table now. So it's one less avenue for them to take. So when you say more aggressive, you mean? Go get that bread, baby. Go get that bread. I think that's going to be the name of the show. <laughs> Before we go ahead and jump into that next segment, though, I want to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off and use promo code BSN2019 at checkout and get it shipped straight to your door. As promised, that's the end of segment number one here on the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. We will be right back. Welcome back in second segment here of the Tuesday edition of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Nathan, you and I have talked an awful lot about the uh, upcoming NHL draft together. What do you say we do that some more? Always down to talk draft. It's we've we've gone into specific options at four. We've gone through the the options at sixteen. We've talked about goalies. You know, Luke and I went through the WHL guys. We've been pretty thorough about on this podcast about going through a lot of the options. I would say one area that we have not touched upon much is the defenseman not named Bowen Byram. Yeah, we definitely seem to get comfortable with a forward at 16, I would say. But there really are more than a few legitimate options for D at 16 as well. Who, speaking of comfortable uh, at 16 with a forward, if you, who's your ideal 16th pick? I'm just curious. This is just me making conversation now. Uh, I think I took new hook on our, our mock draft and I'd be pretty comfortable with that, but I really, really want to take Suzuki with that pick. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with new hook. Honestly, I think, I think I'm actually new hook and this is not going to be popular with some people, but I, I think I'm fine with Knight again. Yeah, you come back around. I it's funny because like I was not about that life and then I I was I was at first I was like it's fine and then um I was like no, you can't do it. There's too many other good players there. Now I'm back to the point where I'm like, "Nah, it's fine." Yeah, I, it's an elite goalie prospect. Like, listen, nah, why not?" Right. Like, I wouldn't make a stink about it. It's just a bit of a gear change. Yeah. Well, and it would be it would be such a different approach from the abs that it's maybe that's why I've always kind of been down on it is because I'm like, Oh, it won't happen. Something a you little know? different. Yeah. And, and when it comes to, when it comes to goalies, like I've, I've been watching prospects a long time and I, I trust my evaluations of kids. 
except when it comes to goalies. When it comes to goal, I'm just like, I'm sure. What am I even watching? <laughs> they exist. Yeah, I've never been one that is super on top of the goalies either. It's You do your best to, to eye test it, but it's just, <laughs> I think he looks good. Uh. Yeah, well, hey, he's stopping these pucks right now pretty well. And yeah. uh, it was funny because uh, watching um, Knight in the international competitions, the one the one thing that always stuck out to me uh, was his puck handling. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that being the thing about a, a top goaltender prospect that that's jumping out at me. <laughs> but not not like in general, not knowing from a technical standpoint what I'm looking for um, when it comes to like prospects. Like when I'm watching an NHL goalie, I think it's a lot easier to be like, oh, he could have done this or he could have done that. And he, you know, he chose this safe selection versus this one. Yeah. When it comes to kids who don't have all the, all that coaching and all that technical ability like built in. Right. I have, dude, I just don't know. Yeah. And, and you get a lot of the kids that don't have the standard style and you're just not even sure what you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's, I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, sure, dude, whatever. Um, Let's get into these defensemen. Yep. Uh, in our mock draft, you you uh, had the kind of the big surprise. You took Soderstrom in the t- in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, let's just start right there, man. Uh, the the big Swedish kid. Yeah. If if he gets all the way to sixteen, I'd be very happy to take him. Um, he's behind Byram. I think he's the most well rounded D in the class. Can play on both ends of the ice. Probably better than anyone else. We're going to talk about. I guess it, depending on how you feel about Cider, he might give him a run for his money there. But I think he's the most complete. He's played professional hockey already over in Sweden as well. So he's very capable against top competition. Well, and he's played in the SHL. Right. You know, when we're talking about Cider, who we'll get to here. Yeah, the very different league. Like, there's the DEL, and that's one issue that I've had with it all year is like... Yes. His international competitions had a lot heavier weight with me because what he did in the DL, I'm just kind of like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. The DL regularly acquires players from the ECHL. If you're looking for comparable leagues there. Right. Like a lot of guys will finish career. That's, that's like a great place for like a 28 year old career ECHL guy to go and finish a career out. Like I'm going to go play in Germany for a year or two, make good money, live in Europe and have a really cool life story. Right. Meanwhile, the SHL is a top five league in the world. So, <laughs> right. Very, very competitive. Yeah, exactly. It's and it's it's definitely like most of the European leagues, a much more defensive league as well. So, you know, take what you will from the stats there. There's going to be less scoring and the defense is going to be a lot tighter. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. So Victor Soderstrom. We both like him. The right shot D, a good two-way guy. I definitely agree with you in that uh, the behind Byram, I think he's the most polished two-way guy in this group. Uh, the others, I would say, all really kind of jump out to me as offensively uh, tilted defenders. For sure. Yeah, um, it's, it's not very close, is it? A couple of guys that we'll talk about, too, like Cam York is just totally offense directed and, and, and Soderstrom's a little bit more versatile there. Uh, the, the one thing we talked about the, for all six of these guys, honestly, is 
all of them great on their skates. They do vary a little bit. Some are more agile. Some have a better top mm-hmm. speed, things like that. But you just have to have that these days. Yeah, it really, um, you know, with all the with all of the uh, small defensemen that were drafted last year, this year's group, it's I think it's fascinating that this year's group, you get guys who are a lot bigger. You do. And in general, just in this whole group of them, you have guys who are a lot bigger who are also great on their feet, but they're all, for the most part, guys who were, were kind of down on compared to a lot of the guys that were drafted last year who were all, you know, four or five inches shorter than some of these cats. Yeah, you, you're seeing that shift in the league, too, that the Avs unfortunately learned the hard way that size is great. And if you have a guy with size and skill, absolutely jump at the chance, but they have to have that puck skill. You can't just be big and blunder your way through anymore. Right, and, and you know, it's great that chipping a puck off the boards is something that you can do, but that's no longer considered a puck skill. Right, that. You can PK with that, but if you're playing five on five, you got to be able to get it to somebody's tape. Yeah, it's and that's one thing that I I like about Söderstrom is that I think uh, I th- I think shooting or not shooting. I'm sorry. I'm, I think passing is where it, it's it's where it's at with him. Yeah, I think I, I like where he can very well. Yeah, he distributes the puck really well. Yeah, I agree. What are you concerned about with Soderstrom? Especially with someone who is considered more of a two-way guy at his size. I I do think his defense does need to round out a little bit, even though I I like his defense better than most. If the offense doesn't really come at the next level for him, I'm not totally convinced that he'll be able to fully fall back on it. So that's one of my concerns there. Uh, Beyond that, his shot really isn't that good. It, it'll it get the job done and it does for him in the SHL, but it, he's not going to blow anyone away from the blue line. He's a, he's the type of player like a Barry or something that needs to penetrate and use his wrist shot to get goals. Yeah. I, I think uh, if he does not develop into uh, a high end offensive defenseman, I'm not sure he sticks around to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. I I don't I don't think that his defense uh is good enough yet. It's I think it has a long way to go. I think he plays a very basic defensive game. Uh he's he's not physical. Uh he doesn't take very many chances. Uh, he just he's I think he's got good good IQ and that puts him in it's, position to succeed a lot. It's very sound. There's nothing special about it. Right. And and I I wonder how well that's going to translate when he gets into more offensive leagues because he is playing over in Europe where he can get away with uh, playing very safe positional hockey. Um, you know, obviously they're very, very, very different players, but we saw Anton Lindholm was very good defensively over in the SHL. Yeah. And and that was the same kind of game that he played uh, over there was he played a very safe, sound positional game. Um, although he had a much, much more physical element to him, uh, although they are the same size. <laughs> um, but I, I, that's, you know, you have to be able to uh, compete a little bit more. And that's one of my concerns with Soderstrom is I don't know that that part of it is going to translate. Like, I, I think he works hard. 
I think the effort is there. I don't know that the effectiveness in his own end will be there. And right. that's why I kind of have him as a like a mid-ish first. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Uh, I think the hockey IQ is what will push him over the edge there. Like we said, he, he's a good at tr- uh, distributing the puck. And if he can do that and help get the puck going the right way, as long as his defense is sound, he'll be all right. That's the difference between Lindholm. Lindholm had that physical side to his game and played simple defense that Mm -hmm. just didn't have the puck skill to keep his team in possession of the puck. Yep. And that offense that, I mean that that's why he was a fifth round pick and that's why, um, you know, he's, I would say unlikely to be extended a a qualifying offer here. Yeah. I can't imagine he's, it's hard to even find room for him on the Eagles at this point. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stay in Sweden with a guy that I loved at the start of the year. Um, he, I was a big, big, big fan. And then as the year went on, that kind of went away. Um, Philip Broberg, man, great size, six yeah. foot three, 200 pounds and an elite skater. Why are we not talking more about this guy? Oh, I mean, if you like home run swings, you're swinging for the fences on this guy, but it's that floor that is awfully concerning with him for me. I just, he had nine points in the Allsvenskan this year, the Swedish second tier league. And that is not a lot, (laughs) especially for someone his size with his skills. That's a serious concern for me. Um, And, you know, we, I think, I think we, in general, we can get, it's easy to get caught up in production a little too much because there's, Especially when you're talking like production in the NHL is one thing, right? Because everything yeah. I think is is mostly an even playing field. It's the top of the world, you know. It's the top league in the world. Um, it's elite talent going against elite talent, best of the best, and the, all the different roles and all those different things um, play into it. And they're easy to decipher when you're talking about these guys that are playing in these junior leagues all over the world. You know, what role is he playing in? What kind of ice time does he have? You know, what what responsibilities is he be given? Uh, what's what's the quality of teammate that he has and quality of competition? And there's all these questions you don't have any answers to. Exactly. And, you know, we look at the Allsvenskin production and it it's absolutely a letdown. Like there's no getting around that. But you look at some of the international production and not not as concerning. Some some good performances internationally this year. Yeah, uh, he. You know, he was great at the start of the year internationally and great at the end of the year. The Holinka was very solid for him. His yeah. U18s was super solid. Yeah. In the middle there, the World Juniors, eh, a little concerning. Wasn't, I mean, weird year for Sweden in general at the World it Juniors. Was, like, it they was. They were weird. just not, they, they, they weren't great. They weren't brimming with the same kind of talent we're accustomed to. And they weren't very fun to watch. And they opted out of bringing their two 2020 big guns who they had brought to previous tournaments as well. Oh Um, man. That that kid next year. Holtz. Yeah. I'm and, uh, and Raymond. Yeah. They're going to be good. Those are the, yeah. Everything I just said about the WJC Sweden team will be not true next year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it was a bit of a, a skip year for them. Wasn't it? Where? Yeah they're usually the a powerhouse team and you're looking around that roster and going, there really isn't that much here. 
Yeah, you're like, so what's up, Finland, and your 11 draft picks that we're going to see <laughs> off, off of that team? Right, yeah. Finland's kind of the new superpower there, and then they brought no one to Worlds and won it anyway. So, <laughs> Right, what is that? <laughs> That's, okay, we're... Broberg. <laughs> Broberg, yeah. Getting back to Broberg, it's it's tough to gauge because he does have the, the international pedigree, but as we've talked about before, especially in the middle of the first round, you got to be careful of drafting off of just that. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't. You yeah. straight up can't. Like, you have to look at the body of work. Uh, you have to consider all of that, which is funny because we're going to talk about cider next, and we're going to be like, <laughs> ignore oh, the DEL. <laughs> but um, you know, with with a guy like Broberg, he's a guy that you you can watch him on any individual shift and be like, okay, so this guy's going to take over the NHL. Yeah. He's got great size. Uh, he flies up the ice. I mean, he is a great skater. And if you're if you're making like a, a technical video on on how to skate like this is one of those guys you know his his stride his edge work uh the way that the way that he can accelerate the burst that he has all of it it's so good uh his his agility is great he's very elusive you know he's he's got good change of direction ability uh he's everything about him honestly as a skater just as a skater is absolutely tantalizing you watch him just skate around and you're like, holy smokes, this kid. But when you watch him with the puck, it's a totally different situation. I think yeah. the puck skills are lacking. Exactly. Uh, I think the decision making is lacking. I The number of times I've watched that guy skate through the neutral zone, enter into the offensive zone, and it's like he completely shuts down. Yeah, the the IQ is, is a big question there and you often see the guys that, that truly excel at the next level. They almost skate faster when they have the puck. It, it almost even gets them going a little bit more. And Broberg's the, or Soder's, no, yeah, Broberg, sorry, uh, is the opposite of that. It, he's, if you want to be a speed skater, sign him up. But yeah, absolutely. When you actually have to do hockey things on top of that, and he's still good at it, but boy... I wonder if he'll be able to make the connections at the next level that I think Soderstrom absolutely can. It's it's I mean it's not like the guy's lacking in talent. It's just the he's shown a serious inability to put all of it together at the same time. Yeah. You know, you can see he can he can do you know, he'll he'll make a great read, he'll make a great pass, um, make a great play to to kick start some offense. Uh and then on another shift he'll he'll fly through the neutral zone and create that offense. But Rarely are you seeing him string it together, and especially on a shift by shift basis. You're you're really for me. I was consistently left wanting from him, um, and and defensively, a long way to go. Yeah, I uh, again, like we said, you even have questions about Soderstrom's defense, and I think maybe of the guys we're going to talk about, Moritz might be the most solid on the back end, uh, but. For Broberg, defensive end needs work, and and like we said, he's kind of that physical specimen type player. That's the tools are all in the ballpark, but can he put them in the toolbox? Absolutely. I mean, because when you when you just look at the tools, this guy should be a top, maybe even five pick, but certainly a top ten pick. Uh, but when you watch him actually play, you're constantly left wanting. And 
that's that's why there's going to be a possibility somebody gets potentially a very special player in the middle of the first. Yeah, absolutely. If he hits, he's going to be very, very good. And like I say that in, in the middle of the first, but a team could absolutely fall in love with him. Like it would be no surprise to me whatsoever come draft day and Buffalo's like, we've got to have this guy. Yeah, for sure. And they take the big swing on him. You know, somebody's going to. Right. I like like I said, I, I had Soderstrom at, at seven in, in our mock because I really do think two D end up going in the top ten here, whether it's Soderstrom, Broberg, Yorker, or, or whoever a team falls in love with, it, it would not surprise me. Yeah. And I mean honestly, come draft day, man, I mean it's a yeah. third guy a third guy slipping in there wouldn't even be a surprise just it, because it yeah. teams teams are so desperate for help on the back end. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about Moritz Sider, one of the most interesting guys in this draft class. Uh, straight up, Germans just don't get drafted very often, especially really, Germans in Germany. Yeah, they a lot of them end up moving either to Northern Europe or come over to play in the CHL. Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl uh, was a WHL kid. Yep. So, but Moritz, uh, Moritz stayed at home, didn't he? And that makes it hard to get a great read on him. <laughs> It I mean, it does like it 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 totally one hundred percent it does. We're accustomed to looking at guys like Broberg coming out of the Allsvenskan or Soderstrom out of the SHL. We know what that looks like. We know what that translation looks like. We know what the timeline is. We all of that is comfortable to us. But this is a dude coming out of the DEL who you know twenty nine games in the DEL and he had six points. Yeah, it's that is not the type of production you would love to see, especially we've talked about our concerns in the DL, but you know, that same side of things there is who knows what he's playing with. So. Right. Like if you, if you pull up that roster of guys, you know, the, the leading scorer on his, on his team is a 33 year old guy named Chad Kalarik. <laughs> Who was a seventh round pick in 2004 by the Phoenix Coyotes? Yeah, it's the Phoenix Coyotes. Like, <laughs> like it's a totally it's a, it's a strange world. Like trying to trying to 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 evaluate the kid, and so that's international, very important for him. And to his credit, really good on the international he, stage. He was fantastic at almost every international tournament he went to. And, you know, some of them, he was in the division one, a for the world juniors, which is a little bit of a lower caliber of competition, but he was the captain of the Germany team there and just murdered. Yeah. And, and did not look at all out of place uh, playing in world championships for the German team. I really wasn't sold on him as much as a first rounder, even until that world championship. And then he held his own against quality players that are men. And I was like, okay, he's for real. He's definitely, I think for me, that also sold me as, okay, this is a, this is a, a a mid first round guy for me. Yep. The question that I have, he's got great, again, great size, six foot three, 180 pounds, big body. He's going to have a lot of room to add weight. Um, a lot of frame left for him to continue to fill out physically uh, right and right-handed. And, and I think all of these things, you know, he's a, he's a really good skater uh, and he can, he can move the puck, but how much of the puck moving skill is That's going to translate. Question. 
exactly. is like, I think it's the number one question for him. Yeah. 100% is. And it's not a risk. I'm comfortable with the abs taking, I would say we the Avs have never been a team that is, is good at getting that extra bit of puck skill out of defensemen. And I just, um, I don't want to spend a mid first round pick to get Patrick Nemeth. Yeah, boy, that's, you went there. I, I did. And, and he very well could have more puck skill than that, but. I'm more comfortable taking risks on sorting out a defensive end issue than seeing if the guy's hands get to where they need to be. So you you would take Broberg over Cider? I think I would. I say that, but in my other podcast, I mocked Cider to the Avs. So. <laughs> well, in my last mock draft that I wrote, I mocked Cider to the Avs also. Right. Like when it comes down to 16 and you're like, oh, the Avs need defense and he's a defensive end guy and oh, okay, well, they have McCarr and Gerard and maybe yeah. they still have Barry and, and it starts to look not so bad. Right. Like he's very easy to talk yourself into and then and because he is a good defender, um, but you don't know what the offense is for him. Yeah. Uh, I, which is strange because he's he's a very mobile guy. Especially for his size, he's a really good skater. He is. And he he looks like a guy that should be putting up prolific offensive numbers. I'm hopeful that somebody can talk him out of playing in the DEL next year and he does something else. I really hope he doesn't go back. I mean Because that's a major concern for me. Even as as much as individual ability development is extremely important you know where guys go and how where they play in the environment in which they develop and in which they develop in my goodness uh is very very important and can make or break a lot of guys along the way uh and flat out i don't trust the del to produce a, a high-end nhl player yeah on I, its own with like 100 I I would be just as concerned about his puck skills translating as that guy playing in the DEL for another year or two and and then coming over because the jump is going to be significant. Uh, he's going to have to spend some AHL time to learn both North America and, and to take a, a major step up in competition. And if he, if he disappears there, boy, that's. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'd be okay with him staying in Europe for one year if that's what he wants to do, but yeah, it really should be, you know, Finland, Sweden, maybe go play in the Liga or something, man. You can't stay in Germany. Right. Exactly. It's, it's just not a good enough league for you to be trusting a first round pick. in. this is a third or fourth round pick. And I hate to say this because it sounds very like, Oh, well those guys don't matter. Like if it's a third or fourth round pick, you're expecting a long timeline anyway. Yeah, And you don't mind that as much. A first-round pick, you have higher expectations. You have an accelerated timeline. You don't want to wait four years on a first-round pick. You but just it, don't. It's right, at, at, Even if you do end up waiting that long, it it's less because you needed to wait that long and more because you just ended up wasting time with things like playing in the DEL. Right. It was kind of like uh, when the Avs drafted Nate Clerman and he went back to Culver yeah. Academy for a year instead yeah. of going to the USHL and then going to college. 
you know, he added a year to his development track because he wanted to go back to Culver. And I know that was a major disappointment for the organization because that's a wasted year of development for him. He wanted to do it. Ultimately, he gets to decide what's what's best for him. But that that was not Kale McCarr going back to UMass for a second year. No, that, that's that's not a great call. And it, that's how I feel it, about Cider going back to Germany. Right. I agree. Exactly. You have to look at the not only the, the caliber of competition, but the caliber of team you're going back to there and going back to a league like the DL or in Clermont's case, high school is just not great. Like NCAA hockey is probably at least as high of caliber as the DL, if not better. So yeah, just more physically mature. Right. We've, we've spent several minutes now more or less super down on cider. <laughs> What's the upside here? Like, let's, let's, let's acknowledge here that there's significant upside in this could, this kid could be a stud. Yeah. There, there 100% is some, some real fun upside here again, like Brober. He has incredible size. Uh, I don't think he jumps up into plays as aggressively as Broberg ever will, but you take that size, you take his skating ability, you take the very veteran game he played, especially at the world championships as a 17 year old. And you look at a player with a mindset like that, and he's the type of player who makes it to the NHL. It's just a question of how high is his ceiling? How high do you think it is? What's your thought on this? If he gets out of the DL and finds his offense, he could definitely be a top four defenseman. I personally have trouble seeing him being much more than a number four type. Then that's why I don't love him. (laughs) I think I think he's got second pairing potential. I think he could be a really good penalty killer, especially combining uh, his IQ and his uh, his size because yeah. he's got great reach and he's he's really good with the stick defensively already. I think he's got the potential to be a very very good penalty killer and uh, a guy that could I think give you 25 points a year. I think he could be a really solid uh second pairing guy that that can especially help you out defensively but won't be lost in on the offensive end. But he's what we want Zadorov to be, kind of, is, is his ceiling. And unfortunately, yeah. the offense didn't really come for Zadorov. Yeah, but I think that's it, fair. If it does come for for Moritz, that's that's what you're looking at. Yeah, and and Cider could, you know, we talk about how Zadorov is valuable because he brings that physical edge, that nastiness. Uh, Cider brings that. He does, and he's got the body for it. So you know, you feel it when he's there. Yeah, well, and he's only going to get bigger and stronger. So yeah. he's he's definitely an intriguing guy. I would say if there's a world where Colorado is moving back into like the 23, 24, 25 range. Yeah. I like Cider a whole lot more there than I do at 16. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Around 20, I'd be much, much more interested in him. But as... We are talking about six defensemen here. There's a lot of options, and I just don't know if he'd be in the top two or three for me. Yeah, yeah, I. He's he's such a tough call for me, man. I really, I struggle with him as much as any other prospect in this class. I think. 
That's uh, fair, yeah. Just because I just don't feel like we've seen enough of the good stuff yet. I I agree with that. It's... There's there's enough there where you're like first round pick, thumbs up, but not enough there where you're like, oh, a, a mid first rounder. Yeah. yeah. Like we're really we're really hoping this guy gets a 16. I uh, a very polarizing guy for me, a guy that I definitely struggle with. Uh, any final thoughts on this group of three defensemen? Uh, let's let's rank them for me. Uh, I go Soderstrom one, Broberg a soft two, and Cider three. Okay, I would I would probably go I would go Soderstrom uh, Cider and then Broberg. That's perfectly fair. Yeah, I'm very concerned about Broberg's downside more than I'm intrigued by his upside. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I I think I still just edge him over Cider. Uh, but which is totally, yeah. I mean, fair enough. Like this is, there's, they're so close together that we're, yeah. we're picking nits here. It, it's interesting that we grouped the, uh, the three euros together. I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but I did not. I, I grouped them together based on the list that you sent me and I used that order. <laughs> okay. Well, it happened to be the three euros. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's go ahead and take a, our second break here. Um, before we do that, I've got to tell you guys about the green solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now, right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flower concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN 20 for 20% off your entire purchase. It does it for segment number two here. The BSN avalanche podcast presented by total beverage. Stick around segment three. We are going to be breaking down three more first round defensemen that are going to be in play with the 16th pick or sooner, maybe later ish. Either way, three more to go. Don't go anywhere. Welcome into the third and final segment of today's BSN avalanche podcast. I am AJ. He is Nathan. We are us. And we're here talking defensemen. Everybody's favorite topic Weirdly, normally my favorite topic, but this year talking about defenders honestly just frustrates me more than anything because <laughs> all of them have some aspect of their game that drives me crazy. They all do. None of them are, are perfect except for maybe Byram, but that's a right. different conversation. <laughs> you know, well, and, and like Byram is so much better and he also yeah. had like, he had such an amazing season that realistically expecting him to repeat that ever no again way. is like, it's, it's asking way too much. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, but and but you also can't like hold that against him. Oh, what your season was too good. You're not the second coming of Drew Doughty. Oh no, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> dang it. Although it's funny, it's funny you pick him because that's going to be his teammate. Yeah, if he gets past the Evs, I don't see how he gets past the Kings. <laughs> There's, from what I've been told, it's basically uh, Byram if he's there and Zgross if he's not. Oh, so. okay, Kings, you do you. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Um, I'll be curious to see what actually happens with the Kings. That that range, that five to eight range, is yeah. like the it's like the most fascinating part of the draft for me this year. Toad, put them in an RN, a random number generator and, and you could be dead on, basically. Oh, man. Gotta gotta roll that twenty, you know. Yeah, <laughs> natural. I I say that not being somebody who plays that. 
I just know the reference so that I can fit in with other nerds. Perfect. That's how I live my life, too. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, let's get to those final three defensemen. Um, Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the other Euro? Or, yeah, let's just do that. Let's just stick with Europe. I know you like him anyway, so. (laughs) I do. Why why do you guys say I like him? Do you not not like him? No, no, I I do like him. Uh, But in my mind... From the start of the year, this was supposed to be Anthony Honka's spot. He was the Finnish defenseman that was yep. supposed to go in the first round, and then his started really, really slow. Had a bad Holinka uh, tournament, did not start well in the Liga, and he kind of fell off boards, and, and that left an opening for, for Hanola to step in, and he took it by the horns. Yeah, Billy Hanola definitely had the kind of draft year you want out of kid, out of draft prospects. You want a guy that starts out the year as one player and then gets so much better throughout the season that he forces his way up to a higher level of competition. He succeeds. Uh, he he gets a spotlight on him. Now people are talking about him. He continues to succeed, continues to do well, uh, and then uh, finished it uh, finished it up with a, a good performance internationally. Yeah, especially internationally is where I think he really gets the edge on Honka as well, because Honka got uh, got snubbed from a couple teams, I think, even and and didn't look great at at the World Juniors either. Yeah, well, and that's that was one where you're like, well, no wonder he got, you know, no wonder they they were not interested. Right. Because at first you're like, oh, wow, that's that's surprising. And then you saw him at World Juniors and you're like, dude. This what is, is not this? great? Yeah, I say that like, and would like be super happy with him at forty-seven. But right. like, <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, I know that there's talk of him getting even, he dropping into the third round. But if Honka got to forty-seven and they took him, I would. Yeah, I have no issues with that. Exactly, but but, but Han- we're talking about Hanola here. Yeah, and and he did very, the opposite of that. <laughs> very much like what seems to be like the Finnish archetype for the defenseman. Yep. Five foot 11, 180 or so pounds, 185 pounds. Um, good, good skater, smart player, very poised, uh, great, uh, great puck movements ability. Yep. And Money on the breakout. <laughs> and biggest, uh, biggest question mark is defense. Yeah. It, for whatever reason, the, uh, the Liga seems to be trending a bit more that way than, you know, I think. We talked about some of the other guys like Kako setting the scoring record, and that's like the third time that's been broken in the last five years or something. So scoring yeah. is definitely on the up and up there. And we're seeing these finished defensemen that are a little bit, I'm not going to call them small, but they're not big guys like Moritz or anything like that. Right. So they are really excelling in that kind of a scenario. Well, and, and they're all like the same size. Like they're so... It's really weird. They're so cut and paste. And the same thing with like the big uh, successful forwards that yeah. we've seen. They're all 6'2". Would, <laughs> right. Like you would totally think that it should be reversed. Like yeah. Kakao and Rantanen and Aho and 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 Line and I guess I can't count Puyo Yarvi because he's bad now. But um, and Barkov, like all those guys, like big guys. That you're like, oh, you guys should have been the defensemen. And then all their defensemen are five foot ten, five foot eleven, and 180 pounds. And you're like, oh, you guys should have been the small forwards. And it's like flipped. Like, yeah. what's going on in Finland that they're taking over the world? Have they just figured it out? Uh, maybe. I mean, 
after that uh, world championship win, anything's possible at this point. <laughs> world championship win where you're like, all these names are made up. Yeah, and you're like, oh, literally every NHL player said no, I'm not coming. <laughs> yeah, and and they won world championships with a witness protection program team. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. And, and to think that someone like a Hanola might actually have a chance to make that team next year. Yeah, right. Like that at this point, why not? Right? Like, yeah, sure. So Hanola himself, um, yeah. you know, we're getting all about you know, a little loving, bit, yeah. loving the fins here and our Swedish listeners are lighting themselves on fire. <laughs> um, shout out to our Swedish listeners. You guys are great and we love you. Um, it's okay. I'll take the fins. They're my favorite. Also, Shout out to our fans. We also love you. <laughs> and congrats on all of your recent success. You guys are taking over the world. Um, so Hinola, I say he's cut and paste because I feel like we've already talked about this guy the last five years several times. Totally. You know, he's he's very much that same guy. He's he's a really good skater. Um, uh, you know, he's got good top speed, good acceleration, good on his edges, very smart player, good with the puck. Uh very high hockey IQ is able to excels defensively based on reads more than physical ability for me. Um, and physically feels limited on the defensive end, you know, doesn't like to play a very physical style yeah. uh, is not very aggressive in that way. And when he does get put in that situation does not excel. Right. He's, he's definitely a player you can catch reaching at times. He, he likes to take the puck away with his stick and the board battles are definitely a question, especially I, the league of plays on that weird, like intermediate size ice, but, but it's still an adjustment to the North American game where mm-hmm. you have to be able to board battle. You just have to be. Yeah. I mean, it's too small. You yep. can't, there's no, uh, he's very much a, a guy that does not move his feet when he, when he's beaten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say defense 101, move your feet, don't get beat. Yeah, keep that's, the guy in front of you. That's how I was taught. That's what I was coached up over and over and over. Uh, move your feet, don't get beat. He does not do that. When he gets beat, he stops moving and he, st- he reaches and then he'll just let him go. Yeah. And he's and like, oh, that guy gone? I right. get him next time. And and that's that's the big concern. But what makes me more comfortable with him is... I think his offense is pretty easy to project. He put mm-hmm. up good numbers in the league of this year, even in the league of playoffs and international as well. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely translatable to the North American professional game without as big of a step as some of these guys have to take. So that if you're looking for a little bit of a safer pick, I think he would be someone interesting. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that gets drafted on draft day. Uh, and well, obviously you don't get, drafted <laughs> so, on, yeah. you don't get drafted on non-draft days, AJ, you moron. Um, but he's, a, he's a guy that's going to be, he's going to be super non-sexy pick. You know, he's, he'll, he'll go like 21st or something. Yep. And that team's fans will be like, cool. All right. And then they'll come to love him over the next two years. You know, they'll get, they'll, they will work themselves into excitement, but he won't. Yeah. He won't be a guy that moves the needle in any given way when he's just on his own. He's it's it's smart, it's simple, it's projectable, it's safe. 
Uh, it's not particularly high end, but it's also not total bust. Right, exactly. It's you should get an NHLer out of this kid. Not so different from Martin Kaut, maybe. Uh, a fair, a fair kind of comparison where you know, uh, low, lower ceiling, higher floor, safe, yep. very yeah. safe. Exactly. You're you're not taking the risk factor, so you won't get the reward, but you won't get the bust either. Right. Not a pick that you're going to really worry about. Uh, having been lit on fire and never getting any return from it. You just may not get a superstar out of it. This is a guy that can come in and will fill an important role on a, on a blue line and, and should be able to play. He should be a good second pairing guy. Yep. I, I agree. And that's, that's why I'd be more comfortable with him than like a Broberg or a, or a cider. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if they if they went him at sixteen, um, I'd probably be a little disappointed just because it feels like the same thing as yeah, last year, where they just go safe, safe. Yeah, and you're you're kind of like, okay, you know, you guys are gonna build up this whole team of third liners, and you know, like you need some real talent here, guys. Um, but I do, I do, especially in comparison to these next two guys, we're gonna talk about. He would be a guy that would be very. It's fine. It's like it's like right. buying vanilla ice cream. It's good. It's tasty. It's not sexy. I mean, I love vanilla ice cream. But... So do I, man. But <laughs> it's it's as plain as it gets. It yeah, you're you're not doing anything exotic there for sure. And it's it's someone that the Avs probably wouldn't be in a rush to get into this team either. So. You'd, you'd be looking at at least a couple of years for him, I think, and any probably, probably AHL time. Probably a year in Finland, maybe two years, uh, depending on how it goes. And then, um, you know, leaving guys over in Finland has become a much more Perfect. fine, yeah, <laughs> because the the competition, the style of play, the way that that league has started to develop and produce its own talent, you're feeling a lot more comfortable with kids over there um, an extra year or two. As long as, as long as they're not, you know, you don't want them down in the Mestis, you don't want them playing juniors, any of that nonsense. You want them in the Liga. Yep. Um, I would say very on, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like this next guy, Thomas Harley, is a little bit more of a boomer bust type. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. He's He's the, I guess, behind Byram. He's the big guy who's supposed to have offensive capabilities uh, in North America. Yeah. I mean, six foot three, 200 pounds, and he's a very, very good skater. Yeah. It it's again, I, I don't know what it is, but seeing these big guys that know how to skate is it's a different world from 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Honestly, it's great. Like, getting, getting the big lugs out of there and, and not watching those guys, be given huge minutes all the time is I mean it's it's such a fun sport to watch when that's what's emphasized you know it's speed skill and it's less size obsessed but if you can get a guy that's six foot three and can move uh like Harley does you know he's who's a great skater he's not he's not an explosive skater I say he's a great skater it's very smooth and it's very easy um it's not explosive. Like he's not going to have those couple of steps where you're like, Oh no, I mean, yeah. If, 
if you're that size and you have an explosive start, then you're going top five. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, offensive game is pretty polished, really. Um, took a big step this year. Got a lot more opportunity also this year than he had uh, last year in Mississauga. And, you know, really following in kind of the Nicholas Haig footsteps here. Yeah. Where, you know, big guy uh, had sort of a slower development and then in the draft year got the big opportunity and took advantage of it and became a became a, a an offensive dynamo. Very not not as physical, not not as scary <laughs> as Haig. For sure, yeah. Not the same kind of goal scoring, but similar development track. Uh, and obviously comparing a Mississauga guy to a Mississauga guy is cheating. So <laughs> Yeah, see. Yeah, I'm not super sold on his goal scoring. He put up 11 this year, which is I think he had one last year, so yeah. much much improved. But mm, I don't think he's gonna be putting the puck in much at the next level. I think he's but, a five to seven ish yeah. goal guy. Um, I, but I'd say more five. But, uh, but it, it's fine because he is kind of unlike Byram in that he can play with speed and make those passes, especially as a, as a zone entry type. Yeah. Or not and, Byram, uh, Broberg. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I am. I got you. I'm, <laughs> I meant what you knew. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do really like him coming through the neutral zone. Uh, I do like the way that he pushes the play and, and the way that he gets into the zone and, and creates offense. I think that he took a big step forward this year. I liked that part of his game. I don't know that it's very high end offense. Right. I, I mentioned this too. It, I always wonder a little bit about the late risers in the OHL and the yeah. OHL is perfectly legitimate league, but they definitely get a lot of the hype. They, it, it does seem to be like the darling of the CHL yeah. where the Q is kind of like the, like the, the stepbrother that nobody really likes to admit is there. And the, <laughs> the WHL is kind of, I feel like is like like the little brother and the OHL is, is the, you know, the golden boy, you know, the one that gets all the, all the attention and the accolades and wins all the awards and, you know, carries the torch kind of. So I, I definitely am with you in that you want to be concerned about late risers, especially in a draft class. That's as solid with talent as this one. You know, a year like 2017, where you were a lot, a lot of the talent kind of came out of nowhere. And, and a lot of those guys were late risers because it was just not as talented a class overall. That's one thing. But this year, I think it's a very good class. And these guys coming up, getting these kind of hype, like he had a good year. Uh, he developed in a way that was that was good and meaningful. And that's great. But. I do, I do wonder about, you know, is he getting overhyped a little bit just because of the exposure of he gets to, he's he's seen constantly being in the heart of the OHL. Yeah, ex- especially in a year where the OHL is going to have the fewest first rounders they've had in a in a long, long time. So someone has to step up and take that mantle, and it's great that he deserves to be considered as one of the top players in the OHL, but. Mm-hmm how does that stack up against the strong classes from some other leagues defensively? Um, I it's okay. <laughs> I, I don't love his defensive game. 
Uh, I think a guy with his skating and his size should be imposing his will more. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, I mean, even even if it's just, and, and I don't necessarily mean like big hits, no. you know, but but taking Grinding away space. Out. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely rubbing out guys on the wall and, and you know, being able to gap control and being able to uh, be very disruptive with a stick. You know, if you if you've got the wingspan of a pterodactyl, man, you got to use it. Yeah, you don't you don't have to crush guys to where when they look up, they'll think twice about going up the boards against you because you know if you're six three, two hundred pounds, and you've rubbed them out fifteen times already this game, they're gonna feel that. <laughs> right, like that dude's hips are black and blue. He's over it. Yep. And I I don't. I, I think he's too passive on that end of the ice right now. I'm. I think he's a smart defender, uh, he but doesn't I have that aggression. Right, he he just does not have the killer instinct that I'd like to see, especially because now you know. I mean, five years from now, a guy that's six foot three is going to be one of the bigger defensemen around. Yeah, you know, Zadorov looks of it. Yeah, like Zadorov and EJ just don't, don't, those guys just don't exist. They're not, they're not coming up anymore, you know? And, and if they are, you know, we, we've seen a guy like Alex Vlasic. They're all second-round guys, third-round guys now. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not getting that same kind, of, uh, same kind of opportunity, the same kind of run that they, 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 they did even just a couple of years ago. I mean, even, I mean, even Zadorov, when he was drafted, you know, six foot six and skates the way that he does, you know, I wonder where Z would get drafted today. Yeah, it, it certainly makes you wonder the the swing towards puck skill and offensive ability. You have to think there would have been some question marks on a guy like Zadorov in this year's draft. Well, and where there's not question marks on that side of the game is with our last guy that we're going to talk about here today, uh, Cam York, a kid from the United States Development Program. The numbers are going to be deceiving because you're looking look at the numbers yeah. and you're going to say, "Holy smokes." <laughs> But and this is true of all those kids, it you is. know, playing, playing. They all played on a loaded team. I honestly don't even really look at the numbers for their production much anymore. It's because yeah. it's just it's crazy. Like all those silly, kids silly stuff, all those kids had amazing, unbelievable production uh, seasons. And it just gets you'll get overblown if you get too caught up into that stuff. But sure. with York, I almost feel like he's getting forgotten a little bit like he's like the forgotten guy on that american team he's the the quarterback of a, of a power play he's a very 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 good puck mover i've said it multiple times i i think that he reminds me so much of kevin shattenkirk yeah i think that's a good comparison actually the way that he distributes the puck the way that he moves i mean this is a guy that just just sits there and just fires off tape to tape passes all over the ice. Yep. Moves it with, and, and, and he does it seamlessly. It, it, he makes, he's one of those guys. The talent is so high at, at that one particular, he makes it look really easy. He makes yeah. it look like you and I could go out there and do it. Uh, no problem. Just fires, you know, tape to tape passes. The puck is flat. Um, perfect. Like just, just makes it look so easy. Uh, he's so good at it. Uh, it's his skating is very high end. It's another guy where it's more smooth than explosive. 
uh, but it's but it's good. And at you know his size, he's another one of these 5'11", 180 pound guys that he needs to fill out quite a bit. Does not like to play physically in his own zone. Yeah, that's his big problem is he's not that big and he does not play bigger than he is at all. And not and not not interested in it. Like no, he doesn't want to. He he likes to use his stick defensively and he wants to go play offense without getting hit. <laughs> uh the the thing with him that I like so much is like you said, especially with his offensive skills, he makes it look easy. And not just the passing, but the skating as well. Mm-hmm. It I love smooth skaters like that who look like they're just gliding on the ice without even trying and yeah. It's fun to watch those guys, kind of like Sam Girard does. It, they they do things with their skates that when you break it down, you go like, "Wait a minute, that's actually really, really hard." Well, they they it's almost like they're floating. Yeah, you know, like you forget that they're on ice. And then with these blades attached to their feet, and that what they're doing is really difficult. Like these are guys like York, and and I think Girard is a good example of this as well. You know, guys that look like they 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 might be better skaters than they are runners. Yeah. It's so it's so natural and so smooth for them. Yeah, and I think that's where York really does excel. Um you put great skating and great passing together like that and it's easy to fall in love. It really is. Um and and yet we've talked about this before. You and I, as as much as we could like and appreciate York's talent in game, if he's there at 16 and they take him, it just feels... Not the fit, right? Yeah. Like, if there was ever an organization that just didn't need it. Exactly. It's If you wanted York that badly, you already have it in Tyson Berry, right? Yeah, well, and you're ho- you're hoping that you get more out of it in, in Gerard, and then obviously with Kale McCarr, <laughs> McCarr I, I, on another level, even because right. he's not small, but yeah, with Gerard for sure as well. And you know, maybe you trade Tyson Berry, you still have it with those two guys, exactly. Yes. And you're you know, if if Connor Timmons projects the way that we think he will, it's not like that guy is not going to put up points for you either. You know, Nick Malosh has put up points everywhere he's ever been in his entire life, even though he gets more of a, a defensive reputation. He's a guy that's consistently put up points. So yeah. it's not even just the NHL guys, but it's it's your two top defensive prospects, your two only defensive prospects. Um, even, you know, Nikki Lieberman and, and Danilo Zhiravilov are right. guys that you would, you would think of as more offensive guys. So, sure. you know, that's... It would be very much Cam York, like great talent. I think he's going to be a good NHL player someday. Uh, again, very Kevin Shattenkirky in my mind. But where would his fit in Colorado be? You know, you could talk yourself into Hanola because he's he's. A, I think he'll end up being a good defender, right? Um, he'll be, and really, Gerard would be a guy that you could you could say he ends up like. You know, he's. He yeah. gives you a 20 to 30 points, uh, but plays a really smooth and, and, and solid defensive style despite his size. Um, yeah. And then all these other guys, you know, Sider, um, Broberg, Soderstrom, and Harley, all these guys would make sense in their own in their own way for Colorado. Uh, but York is the one that really, as, as such an offensive guy. To the extreme, yeah. Yeah, that it definitely feels like it would be 
I could buy best player available, but not a you know right best player right. available. When we talk about it, what we don't talk about is best player available for that team. Yeah, you know and, and maybe Pat Cam Perry. York ends up the best NHL guy out of the out of the guys that are on the board, but will he get to that level with the Avalanche? Exactly, and you know a, a guy like Cam York if you stick him on a third line or a second line where you're asking him to be defensively responsible, you're just not going to get the best out of him. Yeah. I I mean, it's just not it. Right. The abs have already part of the reason why we're looking to move Barry is because of the offensive talent we have. Right. Cause you don't want to pay a premium for something that you, you think that you can replace with internally. Right, ex- exactly, and obviously you wouldn't be pay- paying a premium for Cam York, but if we have too much of it already, do we need to add more? Well, and I mean, I- you'd put yourself in a position where do you, you know, two years from now, Cam York, you know, leaves college, signs with the Avs, gets into the NHL, but what do you do with him? Right, exactly, and you know, I, I don't hate it. I do think there is value in having that depth. And if it comes down to it and you have to move a guy, you have to move a guy. But we've seen how much the abs value Zadorov just because he's big. And yes, mm-hmm. he hits great, and that's great. But the abs can't have five guys that are 5'11 and play non-physical defense right just won't work i mean as as much as i liked that the abs are kind of on that edge of they they've really right now they've got a very very nice mixture with the six guys that they're going to go in next season with yeah uh, obviously assuming barry's still here right, right you have a very nice mixture of offense defense size and 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 skill if you get if you add in a york to that group, then you start to tilt it in a way where you're taking a major, major chance there. And and we've talked about before with Byram, it's, you know, okay, you're kind of looking for someone to step in potentially as an EJ replacement down Mm -hmm. the line in a few years. And that's not York. It would not even kind of be York. Right. That, I mean, and really of all these guys, which of these six, which one do you think would be best suited for that? I, as much as I, it's a little bit crazy. It could be cider. I think so too. I, I think I think it'd be either cider or if he absolutely maxes out, it could be Harley. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, Soderstrom could be. I boy, Soderstrom is a guy I really like him. I just think he'd be such an awkward fit in Colorado. He, I, that's fair. He's a bit of an intermediate step. I think he's a much better fit than York, but oh yeah, with that, I, I think York is like a bad, like straight up bad fit. Yeah, like but... that's like that's a weird. That's the very rare situation where you pass on a talent because it's a bad fit, right? And so I don't think that's Soderstrom. But if you're looking at him as an EJ replacement, yeah, it doesn't sound right either. Right, and and you know as much as is I've I've talked a lot this draft season about you don't draft for your current team. Right. I've I've mostly said that about forwards. One, because there's a thousand forwards in a lineup that, you know, s- these guys get the, the turnover rate is really high among those guys. But Colorado's defense is kind of set-ish for the next several years. 
you expect there to be between between Johnson, McCarr, Gerard, and Zadorov. You expect there to be four guys there for at least the next two to three years. Yeah, right. They're at very least three of them are locked down easily. Right, and with and Zadorov has three RFA years left, and so that's why I'm including him on that list. Yeah, but if you get a guy like Soderstrom, you know you're you are asking that question: Where does he fit? And it's a fair one for sure. And and I think you know I you can't you can't be blind to that on draft day. You don't want to get obsessed with it. Like York is the only one of these guys that I would say straight up don't take at sixteen because it's not a good fit. The other five I could I could live with because you can you could find a home for them somewhere. There's a role, an obvious role for them down the road at some point. Right. York is the only one where it's like, okay, well now I mean <laughs> What do we do? Yeah. yeah. Like it, it it's kind of it was kind of when Nashville took Seth Jones on a much smaller scale. Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely a good comparison. It's the Avs D is the best it's been in a long, long time at the NHL level. Yeah, for sure. So, and as and like as much as uh, we've we wanted, we've talked in and on these shows together about Colorado needing to improve that defensive depth because it is such a wasteland after those two guys, and those two guys are already in pro hockey. So they really need to get going on it. Uh, I think that'll be a great topic for, say, tomorrow's show. Yeah, I, I agree. The mm. The mid-rounds are where you get that done, or the early mid, I guess. And yep, where they're going to have uh, picks, two picks in rounds, uh, pick in round two and two picks in round three. Those three selections, that's where you could really uh, go defense heavy to start to rebuild that pipeline. That will be a great conversation for tomorrow. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. This has, once again, been a long show because you and I like to talk draft. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Sorry, guys. I I apologize for nothing because we have a lot to say about it, and I'm okay with that for right now. As the summer goes on, these shows will definitely get a lot shorter Yeah, because I we won't be able to stretch. This much up. <laughs> so um nathan again buddy thank you uh for coming on i'm looking forward to tomorrow getting into the second round guys because i know that's when things real biases and personal (laughs) preferences really come into play Yep. because all kinds of different guys you and i have only like touched very small amounts touch base on what we like in the second and third rounds and we're all over the place so i'm looking forward to that conversation it's going to be a good one uh as always thank you guys for listening This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will see you tomorrow.